Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Individuals that are called to minister the gospel in a, in, in a, in a from a pulpit type of ministry, and so they're each given five minutes to share whatever God has put on their heart. And as soon as the first guy's done, the next guy's going to come. Um, and so we're going to do that this morning. And starting off is Jeff. Can we let him know we appreciate him? Thank you, Pastor. <clears throat> It is an honor to speak to you today, but I'm going to try to talk fast. i got a lot to say, so I'll try to get it out. Uh, the title of my message, it probably is up there by now, is Jesus the Man. Jesus the Man. Jesus walked this earth as a sinless man. Bear with me for a little bit. Without the Holy Spirit resting on him for most of his life. Jesus was part of the Godhead, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But he laid that aside to come to earth as a baby. Jesus grew. Jesus learned. Jesus aged. Jesus got tired. Jesus suffered. He, he got hungry. And he died. God does none of those things, right? But Jesus did as a man. Uh, you know, we're called to be witnesses. So let me, let me read my first scripture up here. It's uh, John 14, 12. I'm taking notes. Jesus was the one that said this. He said, Verily, verily, or assuredly I tell you, I say to you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he, also, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. So Jesus walked the earth as a man about 30, 30 years. That should encourage us. The reason why that should encourage us is because we are walking this earth as humans, as man. But we need the Holy Spirit. So let me quickly take you through this little thing I got. Okay, so now Jesus walks where John the Baptism is baptizing. John the Baptist, and uh, John sees him coming, John baptizes him, and the Holy Spirit, the heavens open up, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and it rests on him. Now he's got the Holy Spirit. Now he spends three more years walking this earth as a sinless man with the Holy Spirit. That should give us hope. <laughs> uh, it, it gives me hope. Uh, so about three years later, Jesus had a meeting with his friends, his disciples. He said, I'm going to just make up my own words here. He says, guys, it's getting kind of heavy here. I need to get out of here. i got to split. I've got to go. But it's best for you that I go. I need to hurry up and get out of here. Because as soon as I go, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. My, my point in that is we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to be productive, to help people on this earth. 
it's, it's good if you live a sinless life. It's pretty tough, but, you know, you can go a few days or whatever. Maybe a week, maybe a month, I don't know. But listen, we need the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me read my second scripture. It's in John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Listen, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be a comforter. And here's my, here's my uh, last point I'm going to try to get out before my five minutes is up. Uh, I'm going to give you a challenge to consider. If you have the Holy Spirit resting on you, consider every step you take from now on with that in mind. Everything you do, everything you say, everything you think, everything you watch, everything you listen to. Keep in mind that you got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. His name is Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, Paul encouraged us, this is my last scripture, Paul encouraged us with these words. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He said, Therefore, my beloved brother, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the, in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We need the Holy Spirit to do the work of the Lord. And the greater works that we can do, we're going to need the Holy Spirit to do the greater works. Amen? That's fine. Good morning. Anybody ever play Secret Admirer? I, real quick real quick story, I'll tell you a little bit about mine, but in the live feed, I've put everybody's names at the bottom of the screen so they know who's actually talking. So everybody who's up here is going to get that, except mine. I forgot to make mine. True story, I did. I was laughing about that this morning. So a short story about a Secret Admirer. I decided to play that. Uh, I don't know, I think it was probably about 18, working in my first job, and saw this cute girl come in. Like, she's kind of cute. Finally worked up the courage to say something to her through my friend. Yeah, I didn't have, nah. I didn't have, I, I worked up enough courage just to ask my friend if she would go talk to her and see what she thought. She did. This cute girl, he's too old. Not that old, okay, but apparently I was. But, you know, she convinced her, and this cute girl actually said, okay, she'll talk to me. So I walked up to her a couple days later. Yeah, it took that long. Surprised it took that long. And I asked her, I said, hey, you want to go out with me to see a haunted house? This is back when I went to haunted houses. And she said no. I'm like, are you kidding me? I built up enough courage to finally ask and say something. And yeah, Well, anyway, long story short, she ended up marrying me, so I got lucky in that one. I persevered. That was determination. I bring that up, and I just thought about, you know, when I was in high school, I had pass notes to people. You see it all the time. I'm sure anybody else ever do that, pass notes to somebody, have a crush on some. Oh, come on, people. I get one hand. Really? Yeah, that's more like it. Okay. 
Uh, come on, we're supposed to be honest here, right? I was honest with you, okay? So passing notes to people, not knowing what they're going to think. You ever have anybody be your secret admirer and pass you a note? You have no idea who it is. But you know they have feelings for you. You ever experienced that? Yeah? No? They should. You know, everybody here has an admirer. You do. Yeah. Jesus. God passed us notes all the time. So many notes. In fact, you can get 66 books worth of it. Think about it. He sent friends to us too. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, your next door neighbor, guy you pass in Walmart says, God bless you. That's God. That's my scripture I have for you, just so you can understand. Yes, he was your secret admirer because you didn't even know it. 1 John 4.19. Last half of that scripture. Because he first loved us. And while yet we were sinners, Jesus Christ died for our sins. This is before we knew who he was. He was our admirer. Still is. All the time. You know, and we can't get hung up on this. I know John 3.16 is a great scripture, proves God's love. But you really, really, really need to see what happened. Before creation started, they knew God Father, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they knew that they were going to need to do something to reconcile us, that we would have a way to be with them. God so loved the world, he sent his only son. This is true. Jesus was a willing participant. He made that choice. Before creation, God said, we need to make a way. This is my idea. And Jesus said, I'll go. He chose to endure and die for you because he didn't want to exist through eternity without you. That's a fact. Whether you believe it or not, whether you choose to accept any of his love notes to you or not. Think about it. If you ever played Secret Admirer, did your feelings change because you passed that note or because the person didn't like you? No, you still had those feelings. Now you had to deal with them. God didn't want to go through eternity without you, with him. So they made a way to make that happen. And Jesus was a willing participant in that. You really got to see that fact, because right there in the garden, he said, be your will be done, God, not mine. So he had a different will. He didn't want to endure that pain, but he chose to do that to make sure he didn't go through eternity without you. Now it's up to you. How do you respond? He loves you. Te doy gracias, Padre. En el nombre de Jesucristo, por esa oportunidad. Amén. Yes, I do speak English. <laughs> the title of mine is uh, lesser, lesser Equals Greater. Society's gauge for greatness is an antonym of biblical greatness. Greatness is often measured by success and wealth and fame. 
here upon this earth, but biblical greatness is measured by humility and and less. Mark 10, 42 says, But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be saved, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So one of the greatest biblical phenomenons is the oxymoron that less equals more. With greater humility comes greatness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The little tribe of Benjamin, the youngest one of Jacob, his youngest son, inherited the city called Jebus, which is the greatest city, Jerusalem. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Moses said to God, who am I to go to Pharaoh? The great I am sends you. The word tells us Moses was very humble. When dissension and rebellion came before him, he never had an answer for himself. God intervened on his behalf. The many who are first will be last and the last first. David said, who am I to be son-in-law of the king? He was the youngest, the smallest, but a servant of sheep and a friend of God who became king. He was found to be faithful with little and was given authority over much. Whoever humbles himself as a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Joseph, the slave, becomes second in charge over Egypt. You give away the little you have, you get back so much more. The widow at Zarephath, who had only enough flour to make her last meal, served Elijah first. And her flour and oil did not run out for many days. The five fishes and two loaves have fed 5,000 plus. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So my dream this morning, I think the Lord spoke to me when I was getting this last night. I didn't have half of this when I went to bed. But he gave me this dream. I was walking on this long highway. There was nobody there but just me and a dear friend of mine. And both of us were carrying a pillow and a bag small bag of clothing, I think it was. I don't know where we were, where we were staying, but we were on this long highway, and it seemed that we were walking a long distance, but we were going to be going to some big church. Um, but we, as we were walking, I realized that I was really walking way far ahead of her. So I slowed down and stopped, and I walked back to her, and I continued the walk to make sure I was beside her and not ahead. And when I got to the church... There was only one bathroom for this huge, big church, but one bathroom for the women, and I was waiting in line. 
because it was a hot day when we were walking. I was just wearing a little tank. And I thought I really wasn't dressed modestly enough for the church, so in my bag I had a couple shirts to put on. And I went in the bathroom, and when it was my turn, I put on my shirt, and then I came out and I saw another young girl, somewhere between 14, 16 years of age, with the same kind of thing on, but she had nothing. And I still yet had another shirt in my bag that I could give her. Well, I think the Lord was speaking to me, it was two things. That one, we have dear friends and family, maybe that we are leaving behind spiritually, that we are eager to get to our church and be filled, but we need to step behind to bring them with. So if you have somebody to think about, bring them with. And the second thing I think he's shown me was that if I've got more than enough, or just enough, maybe not quite enough, but I have enough, give that one thing away to somebody who might need it. Amen. See, I, I was going to sing uh, my message too, but Stacy beat it to me, so she beat me to it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you ever felt lost? Have you ever felt empty? Like, in times of your life, you didn't feel alive. You may have even felt so dry, you could say you felt dead inside. Have you been there? I bet you haven't been there like this guy we're fixing to talk about. We all know who Lazarus is, right? Now, that guy, he knew what death was like. To give you some a little backstory of Lazarus, Lazarus was uh, Mary Magdalene's brother, right? Yeah, okay. Just making sure. I had to look over here. Okay. And uh, him and Jesus had a really close relationship. Scripture actually says that he loved, Jesus loved Lazarus. I can imagine Lazarus sitting there sick going, it's, it's cool, man. Jesus is on his way. He's coming. But Jesus, being as cool as Jesus is, he decided to stay two more days. Now, he was saddened by the whole event when he heard. He was like, man, it breaks my heart. We're going to hang out a couple more days, guys, okay? Man, good thing Lazarus probably didn't know about that, you know? But uh, it comes to a point after the two days Jesus goes, and they get there, and they say, Lord, he's dead. Once again, cool Jesus. Hey, listen, he's sleeping. I'm, I'm going to go wake him up. You know? So we serve a God who, who is bigger than everything. He literally says, I am the resurrection power. Man, there's no greater power than being able to bring something from death to life. I'm telling you. So he goes and says, where? Where have you laid him? This is what's cool about our God. He will find you where you are. Man's dead. You can't, you can't find nobody. You know? Jesus comes to him. The very first thing he says is, get the stone out of the way. Because watch what I'm fixing to do. He removes what's keeping him in the tomb, in the death. 
I can imagine being Lazarus, like sitting there, confused, wondering what the heck. And then hearing your name, Lazarus, come forth. Listen, it didn't take five minutes later, okay? This is instant. This guy's back alive again in a great, in, in, on a tomb. Scripture tells us that he was wrapped up with, with, with uh, a burial cloths. He couldn't see or nothing. I wonder if he was like, what the heck's happening? Am I, is this, what's going on? And then there he is. He comes out wrapped up. So Lazarus still can't move. He still can't see. He's still in bondage. Jesus has called him from death to life. But yet he can't move. He can't even see. I wonder if Lazarus was wondering, am I even... I feel, but I, you know, I can't see nothing. So then Jesus says these words, and this is what, this is the profoundness, and this is what I want you to take away from this. Although Jesus has the power to remove you from your bondage, he doesn't do that here. He tells the people who are closest to, to, to Lazarus, to loose him and let him go. Now I'm telling you, I've been here, and if you're here now and you are in bondage of something, you may be praying for the wrong thing, or he's already answered you. You're looking to heaven and asking Jesus and asking God to remove you from this bondage instead of looking beside you because he's already sent somebody to you in your life to get them old dead man cloths off you. So church, I want you to take this away from today. Stop looking for God to do every single thing in your life. You have resurrection power living inside of you. Look to those around you. Look to those who God has placed in your life to help you on your walk. Amen. Beat that, David. Good job, brother. Good job. <laughs> I enjoyed that. He shared that with me about a week ago. That was really good. I have the opportunity to speak to you today about the rights. Romans 8, 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. What does that mean, Abba? Listen, I'm a child of the 80s. I know what Abba is. It's that, it's that, uh, it's that Russian band from uh, the sun. They sung some things I used to go, oh, yeah, baby. I, you, don't, you don't like that, Justin. I'm telling you, all right? But that's not what it means, all right? It's, Abba means, it, it means intimate. So it's intimate father, all right? God, having made final peace through the blood of Christ with you and I, we are now recounseled to him as Abba Father, he directs our path, he bestows upon us his wisdom, and we live in his family as heir in good standing. Birth certificates 
that are sealed when you have an adoption. I know this. I, I've adopted a child. And one of the, what just dropped me off my seat, Jerry, was one day I received a, a, a piece of mail from the county with a brand new birth certificate, and it had my name as the father. Dude, I wasn't there when she was born, right? But according to this, don't miss this, oh, hallelujah, according to that piece of paper, I was. And that, oh, hallelujah, and just, just, just for you, God has adopted you, and he has wiped away all the things of your past. Can someone say amen? And he has put his name as your father. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, give him praise. That's truth. He is now your father. Now, get this now. That gives you rights, the rights of a son and a daughter. See, man's, the way that man recounsel is through small talk, and you feel a little awkward, you know, you know, you know, Jeff called me fat, which I understand, okay, and I called him bald. It's okay, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm balder than he. I even call him that. So it's like, we, we, okay, we love each other, but we're all, it's awkward. But, but with God, he gives you inheritance. And we're all like, dude, yeah, I'm on my way to heaven. And the journey gets sweeter every day. No, okay, but we, we think that's all there is, but it's not. There's a responsibility. What? I don't want responsibility. I just want to be free and go to heaven. Well, hear this. Listen, you, you, you no longer have to stress about your life, your position, its needs. Having a right as a son and a daughter to let the Abba Father handle it, that's your responsibility. Be a child of God. I'll tell you a story. My son, Jaden, was a Blue's Clues fanatic. Now, some of you might not know what Blue's Clues is, but trust me, Blue's Clues, what are you going to do? Woo! All right? Well, every time I went to Walmart, I had to buy one of those something Blue's Clues. He, he'd want one of those little books, and I'd go, son, you already got ten. But, Dad, I need another, all right? I actually bought him one of these little tents with Blue's Clues so he would sleep in the tent, and he'd come out. Hey, Dad, I got my book, all right? So, but get this now. He didn't have to worry about nothing. Why? Because he knew Dad would take care of him. He was worried about Blue's Clues. He worried about just life. He didn't have to worry about nothing. Nothing. Today... Be a blues clues child of God. No longer stress about what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't stress what happened yesterday. Because, whew, hallelujah, you're a child of God. Let Abba Father handle it. Be a kid. Let him handle it. Your adoption papers proves who you are. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, church? I like hearing the, the heart of God through different voices. There was one common thread. It was that God's reaching out. Amen? Regardless of who you are, regardless of what you face, you need to know something. There is a God, and he is touched by the feelings of your struggles. And he has a will. And he's given us a privilege. 
And I, as a pastor down through the years, I've, I've received a lot of prayer requests. Pray that God will do this. Pray that God will do that. And as gently as I can, I correct people. I said, I don't, I don't tell God what to do. I don't even give him a suggestion. I'm not called to do that. I'm called to pray that his will be done. And you know what the beautiful thing about that is? I, I can pray that with absolute confidence. Book of James said this way, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss. You can't pray for God's will and ask amiss at the same time. Our job is to become co-workers with him and to declare his will into every situation. And so I want to do that for you. If you would just bow your heads for a moment. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. And God, with the authority that you've placed in my life, I declare your will into every situation. Father, I take authority over every lying spirit. I take authority over every spirit of depression. I take authority of every spirit of confusion now. And Father, I just declare your will in every circumstance, in every life. I pray for healing and deliverance. I pray for strength. I pray for light in darkness, abundance in lack. I pray, God, that your will be done. I pray for reconciliation right now for, for that one that's struggling in a relationship. I pray for reconciliation. And I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Amen and amen. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.